Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of Team Fight Talk Show. I am Doa with me is Frodan. And today, our uh, very special guest, Salvi, is joining us. There is an incredible amount of stuff to talk about today. We just had a huge new patch hit this morning. There's a bunch of fun tournaments starting up this week and next week, and a lot of cool stuff to look forward to later in the month. So we've got a lot to get through. Uh, but first of all, let's uh, see how everybody's doing. Frodan, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm doing well. Just took a little bit of time to finally see my family after like nine months um, checking with them. Uh, I didn't get a lot of time to play on 10.13, but apparently I didn't really miss very much because it was a lot of the same thing uh, with Cybers, Jinx, and Sorks. Uh, and today is a new patch, so I'm excited to talk about it and uh, talk to Salvi. Yeah, same here, actually. With the, uh, I, I didn't play a whole lot. I took a, a week or two off kind of from things, but we're back in action again. And uh, we'll see how this new meta shakes up. So before we get into that, though, Salvi, welcome to the show. Um, for those of you, for, for people out there that aren't familiar with you, you have been stomping all over the European ladder for a long time now. Um, what, what else can you tell us about yourself? Give your introduction to the community for those who may not be familiar with you. Yes, I'm on a Salvi. I started playing TFT uh, in the middle of set one. Uh, got rank one and two at season end and started streaming them and pretty much, yeah, continued to always be on top of the EO ladder since then. All right, cool. So do you have any other, like, esports background before TFT? Did you play anything else competitively before this, or is this kind of your first foray into to esports? Mm, I wouldn't say competitively. I played CSGO and League of Legends at a somewhat high level, but n- nowhere near like where I'm on TFT. Like, okay. I was still the lead in... in uh, CSGO and I was high diamond when it mattered in, in league but nothing like this now. Alright, so how are you liking it? How, how are you enjoying the esports life so far? Such as it is. Uh, to be honest it's great. Like, um, I just started playing TFT for fun, right? Pretty much like everyone and enjoyed the game, played more and more. Then at some point I hit challenger and realized hmm, I'm actually not that bad at the game and yeah. Since okay. then I'm just trying to get better and better. Cool. Alright. Well, let's move on to today's news. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about with that. As I said, we've got a lot to talk about with everything today, pretty much. Um, I suppose one of the big things coming up is the uh, Giant Slayer Series European Cup is coming up. It's starting next week. Salvi, I believe you're the, the captain for Team uh, Germany, right? No, actually, I'm not. It's, it's oh, you're not? not. Oh, oh, all right, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm just a recruit, yeah. <laughs> You'd be my captain. No, don't worry. I appreciate that. But it's kind of an interesting format, too, because we're we're kind of breaking things up into nations uh, this time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully in the future, there will be a lot more nations involved. It's kind of a test run of the concept. Uh, Frodan, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one over to you first. Like, what do you think about this this format where it's going to almost be sort of like a, a well, it is kind of a team competition rather than an individual player competition this time? Yeah, I think that one of the more interesting things about TFT is like how can we incorporate team dynamics of it? I know that, for example, like Hearthstone Battlegrounds does that in a lot of their tournaments, and it's been very popular amongst that. And I think that um, you know TFT is becoming like a little bit more and more antisocial with each passing like month, <laughs> where like people grind on their own. Like you can't really do a queue with like people who are Masters Plus now. And so I think that introducing more ways to make it fun and dynamic for people um, is better. So uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of team tournaments. I, I personally believe that it's a really good way to increase the sample size without 
uh, and minimize variance without actually having to just play more games. Because if you ask every player, yeah. they want to play like 12 rounds in a day to really determine they're good, but you can't, you don't have time for that. Viewers don't want to watch all 12 games. But if you have teams, you kind of have more people providing inputs uh, for your success. And therefore, uh, I do believe that it's a really interesting and a fun way to, to decrease that variance while still making it really compelling. So I think the the big thing that jumps out to me is is uh, in terms of how this will be different from your regular TFT tournament is that if you have uh, people from the same team, the same national team in the same lobby, there's an opportunity for one of those players to kind of just like grief their opponents and take away things that they know their opponents need. And so the big question is, will that be worth it? And I'm going to ask you uh, to answer this question, Salvi. Like, do you think that strategy is actually going to be worth it to have one player perhaps sacrificing some of their score to hurt other players in the lobby while elevating uh, their teammate? Do you think that's feasible? Yeah, I actually talked about that today. Um, if, if you have a really, really bad game and you're like only playing for maybe top seven, top six, because you lowered mm -hmm. so hard, it might actually, actually be worth it to, to roll down for someone else's unit just to take them out of the pool. I think that's totally viable mm -hmm. if you have a really bad opener. Especially, no, especially in the finals, if it's four versus four, like one player, you can sacrifice one player to like grief two or three of the different teams. That that seems worth it. It's a good point. Like, uh, do you feel like that's? You mentioned that would could be something to do if you had kind of a slow start. Are you saying that mm -hmm. you would think that's probably the only time you'd want to do that, or can you just start a game potentially saying, "All right, player X, you this game are going to just basically int and hurt everybody on the other side." I don't think you would designate a player to do that, but if I if I recall, like look at the mech meta, for example, where it was like mm -hmm. mech was so strong, but as soon as it's two players mech, some somehow it gets so much worse. If if it's a meta like that, that's not as flexible, and the comp that relies on on three starring units, it actually becomes like a valid strategy for sure. And if it's like a flexible meta, it's, it probably becomes worse and worse. Makes sense. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think that. Um... We've tried these kind of tournaments in Twitch Rivals in the past where, like, is it theoretically better to have, like, teams where one person's, like, focused on griefing other teams? And um, it, it just wasn't really a successful strategy despite people trying that. Hmm. And as much as TFT and OHS has a lot of differences, uh, that core principle still stays the same. So, like, realistically, what you might see is players who, you know, might be splitting up the comps that they try to play or just, like, basically giving each other advice. Um and if they, like, understand that there's a chance they're going to play against each other, they try to, like, you know, play a weaker board. That kind of fun stuff is more fun than just, like, oh, you know, I'm going to grab every Syndra known on the planet so that no one else can, uh, you know, grab uh, and play Sorcerers. Uh, that Everybody strategy hasn't worked. Anyway. You know, maybe, maybe there is an opportunity for that strategy to work. I'm not sure. All right. Well, it's going to be interesting. That's going to start uh, next week, of course. For those of you wondering when you're going to be able to watch it, it's going to be next Monday. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Dan and I are going to be casting it. So no bias, of course. But, you know, it's going to be great. You're going to want to see. Uh, speaking of other news, uh, we, one thing we want to chat a little bit about today as we move on is the world's qualifying formats and, and kind of the NA versus EU and, uh, you know, how, how we kind of feel about that dynamic. Because NA essentially, as I, as I gather, um, and I'm not like a big format expert or anything like that, but as I gather, it seems like uh, EU is, is a lot of ladder into tournament qualifier, whereas NA is essentially a lot of tournaments into tournament qualifier in the end um which which format uh do you kind of prefer salvi if, if you could pick between the two mm, i think any 
format is a bit better because they also have ladder qualifications pretty similar to what we have in EU. Sure. But on top of that, they have like the tournament system where they have, we have a few small tournaments where you can also earn a qualifier spot. So I, I feel like it's just what we have on, in EU, but as I said, uh, addition to it. So it feels like feels a better fit for certain players that prefer tournament play over, over ladder. Yeah, it's because in that in EU, there's, there's a few people that just don't like grinding ladder and they would prefer just trying to qualify, qualify by tournament play. And I feel like it's fair for them to, to have a shot. All right. Yeah, as anyway, we've got the, the Team Liquid one, we've got the C9 one that starts today. Um, but that, that's an interesting kind of thought is that certain players may prefer to just kind of be at home grinding the ladder and get their qualification that way. Other players can, you know, do better in tournaments, do worse on ladder. So it kind of having a balance, I suppose, is kind of important because you are going to see players that have greater strengths in different areas. Huh? Yeah, for sure. Um but yeah, I think Anna is doing a good job. I felt like you was just behind on time because the mm. the letter snapshots started basically halfway through, and yeah, it just felt rushed on you. But it's what we got, wow. so gotta make it work. All right, what do you, what do you think, Dan? Any any ideas on the the tournament format? Where do you think uh, the the ladder should fit in in terms of of weight towards getting towards the the world's qualifiers? I think it's supposed it's supposed to be really important. I would say that ladder should represent at least the majority of the qualification spots because you do want to reward players who are engaged. Um, yeah. What you don't want is something that we did in Hearthstone, like at the beginning, which was like half invites, half uh, qualified players, because in the in the nature of like a game of variant, people who are invited don't have like they just get such a leg up and the probability qualify uh, yeah. goes way up when they have to play such few amount of rounds. Um, at the same time, you can't have entirely like uh, ladder-based qualifications either, because uh, if you do, then there's no real big aspiration path to pro. There's a lot of players uh, that want to compete, similar to like poker, for example, that don't have an opportunity to grind all the time because they play TFT part time and maybe mm-hmm. they hit masters. But you know, the the, the grind to maintain top challenger is so uh, high of a commitment. So I would say that like, you know, th- this kind of like multifaceted approach is pretty useful. And like for the first year or two, I think it's totally okay to like crush onto people like Skara and Becca and other people who may not necessarily qualify through a ladder snapshot because they're very skilled players in their own right, but they do a lot to contribute to the growth of the game. So I think that it's really important that there's like a balance and approachability um, as opposed to saying you have to have played you know, hundreds of hours per month in order to qualify for the world championship. I think that might be a little bit too big of an ask at the start of, uh, you know, TFT championship qualifier. So Salvi, like you, you are a person who has grinded out uh, holding both one and two spots on your ladder. Like what's that like? What, what does that commitment take? Well, it takes a lot of time actually, because I, I, I usually do it at season end because that's the point for me, at least that matters the most. When I do it, it's pretty much TFT all day. Then, like if if I'm not playing, I'm usually watching streams or theory crafting actually. And mid season, okay. I actually tame it down a bit, take some days off, don't think about TFT. But yeah, which is always good too. It is it is always important. I think uh, everybody knows in esports and and in life to just take a break sometimes. Mm-hmm. And let your mind can decompress. Because if you kind of keep forcing yourself to grind, your your production, like your, the quality of your games, is actually going to go down the more you play at that point. Yeah, for sure. Like, that, that's also why I don't even play on, main, on my main account anymore on stream, because mm. I get distracted. Also, if I spam games, 
I just get worse and worse. If, I, if I'm playing off stream, I'm, I'm trying to climb. I usually just play one game, take a small break, and then if I feel play again. Because I feel like playing back-to-back-to-back games actually distracts you so much, and you can't even distract which game you're playing anymore. Right. So I feel like taking a mental short break, even if it's just five minutes standing up, walking around, and then just playing again actually helps. Super important. Uh, let's move on to the uh, last tournament that we're going to talk about. At the end of the month, there's going to be the Mordog Top 4 Madness tournament happening. Uh, I'm going to be casting that with Mordog. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. Uh, the format is, is insane, but I'm so happy we're doing it because uh, it's going to be fun to see how players kind of approach it. And it's just going to be, you know, fun to see the players kind of play in that context. And And so the big thing with this is that the point system in the game is very, very different from what we've seen so far in uh, TFT tournaments, where there's like a little bit more for first, a little bit more for top four, but overall, you know, you have a lot of chances to, you know, catch up and things like that. This tournament, though, is brutal. It's 11 points for first, 10 points for second through fourth, zero points for fourth through seventh, and then negative one points for eighth. So you lose points even from uh, taking that final spot. So it's it's a really interesting format, um, and I just want to get your your impressions on it. Uh, I'll, I'll ask Frodan first because uh, you and I have been part of a lot of different talks with different organizations about uh, tournament formats and point systems. We help kind of craft a lot of that. So so, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think that uh, it's really unique. I think that we're not anywhere close to figuring out what like the ideal tournament format is in Probably. a game like TFT. I think like in general, for this entire broad genre of free-for-all esports, like, if you just kind of even think about Battle Royale, like, in Fortnite or Apex Legends, like, these other games, like, no one really knows how to make free-for-all games, like, fun and compelling, both for the player and viewer, that makes it feel satisfying. Um, so we're experimenting a ton. We're, we're talking about, like, the final win and then, right? In order to win a tournament, you have to win the lobby. That's, like, an interesting concept. I'm more mm-hmm. trying to say, like, you know, fourth is almost as good as first, so we'll see how how that works out. Wins a win, um, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I like that because I think it's, like, you know, very reflective of how Riot's even approached this subject, right? Like, for example, um, you know, they're just, like, tweaking constantly with the set design and trying out yeah. a lot of different things. Uh, was or got a mistake? We still kind of don't know. I mean, a lot of people probably say yes immediately, but... Uh, they're really trying to, you know, tweak certain things and try radical ideas. So I like that. And then, you know, Moore also puts his money where his mouth is, right? He talks about, like, how much he loves a competitive scene. He talks to top players all the time. And he's even kind of funding the prize pool. So uh, honestly, quite a special person in the industry, like, from a yeah. multitude of, of facets. And I, and I really respect more for... Uh, putting on this kind of program, and I really hope that it's a, it's a huge success. I've I've seen a lot of public facing developers in the past, um, but I I don't know if I've ever seen one that's quite so frank with the community and so like transparent about the process and and his own personal thoughts about the process and the relationship with that and the fans and all that. It's it's very it's very cool to see. You open yourself up to a lot of stress by doing that. And so I feel for him in that case, uh, but but he seems to be handling it pretty well so far, and it is great to have him in the community. Uh, Salvi, I'm going to ask, what, what's your impression? As a, as a player who would be playing in a tournament like this, uh, what do you think? I mean, it would completely change up my approach to the game, right? Because usually when you're playing tournament or ladder, like, you just aim for the best placement you can get every game, right? You're playing for every placement point. Yeah. Um, so, like, best average placement, and everyone is getting thrown out of the window completely because you you just want top four, right? It doesn't matter. It's never worth it to risk it for top one. So if you're approaching the game, that would actually change up the, the, the role timings probably, also the comps you're going for. 
mm. and stuff, you wouldn't be as greedy. And if if every player is doing that, that in in turn means like uh, units getting taken out of the pool earlier. So it's actually changing the game completely. So it's really really hard to to like grasp how much it would change. But as you said, who knows what's the best form? Might might be fun, right? So yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to it for sure. I'm going to ask you a question that's very difficult to answer, but but uh, we'll, we'll, I'm curious to see what you'd say anyway. So will this point system produce more skillful games or less skillful games? Well, that's actually a good question. I know. It's a really hard question to answer because I, I, there's a lot of different factors that go into this. Yeah. Like you mentioned, you're playing more carefully. Does that mean you're better or are the risks sometimes better quality play if you are taking them at the right time? So it's it's a hard question, but just your your gut reaction, more skilled or less skilled? I, I would say if you do it once, it's probably more skillful because you're not used to it. You need to adapt to the format, right? And, and you have actually have to change up the place there completely. So so in that, in that sense, when you only do it once, it, it's definitely more skillful. If you do it every time this format, I'm not sure. I, hmm. I'm not sure if that would make it better or not. Okay. I, yeah, I, would, say, yeah. I would say... You go ahead, Florian. No, I, I was just going to say that I feel like maybe TFT might be a game where it can excel with multiple formats. Like, uh, the idea is that maybe, like, uh, day one of competition could be, like, a traditional point structure. Then another day or maybe another tournament series could just be top four. And I think that's what uh, makes TFT potentially even better as a competitive game mm-hmm. because just like in card games, there's different formats that challenge different skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is interesting. So, you know, maybe t- a little bit of team, a little bit of top four action, maybe a little bit of traditional point structure with winning in. Um, and I think that all of that makes it a better game. I think it changes the the composition pool a little bit as well uh, in that if you're only getting for top four, there's going to be some comps that just aren't really going to be feasible anymore to where, you know, it's like, oh, well, I mean, I, maybe I can hit top four of this, but I guess a fifth or sixth given my start is probably okay, that kind of situation. So it almost sort of narrows the the viability of different compositions too. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to see it. I, I think this is going to be the best month for TFT esports yet, in my opinion, because We've got a lot of competition. We've got a lot of different formats in competition. And so we're just going to, I think, be able to learn a lot about what makes a good TFT composition this month and uh, and build on that to just have better TFT esports down the road. Should be really, really cool. But uh, speaking things, speaking of things that are really, really cool, we had a patch come this morning. Uh, it's it's very big. It's uh, 10.14, I believe, is the the number for it. And man, uh, there are some massive, massive changes here. We, we've got about 30 minutes to talk about this, which is nowhere near enough time. But we're going to try to fit as much of it in as, as uh, we possibly can. But I think the big thing that we can start off with here that everybody's talking about right now is the return of Syndra um, and Star Guardians in general. Not necessarily the um, synergy, the Star Guardian synergy itself, because that got nerfed, quote-unquote, but there was so much strength put into the individual heroes, especially Syndra, that uh, let, let's talk about Syndra right now. Um, there's There's been discussion about possibly hotfixing. We don't know if that's going to happen or not. I played a couple games of the last night. She seems insanely, insanely strong, which I love, I will freely admit, but uh, I, I want to hear you guys' takes on it. Where, where do you think of the state of Syndra, um, you know, 24 hours into this? We'll start with you, Selfie. Uh, 24 hours in, I would probably say she might get hot fixed. Yeah, it, it seems a bit too much the 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 mana buff. Also, Syndra one seems too strong. Maybe also way of 
of fixing her is just lowering Syndra 1 damage. Because usually if you get a blue buff and you get Syndra 1, you actually said you just need some frontline and, and she's going to do the job. So mm. maybe that's also an approach. Because she falls off late game. She's she's really strong stage 3 and 4. And the later it gets into the game, she actually falls off and she's not really the carry anymore. You have to have like a three-star Cinder at that point. Otherwise, she just... Yeah, what you, what you can usually do is you, you get a Cinder, you push nine, and then you play for Jenna 2, Zerath 2, and those are then the main carries. Yeah. But but Cinder so, alone is not going to win you a game, no. So the big buff here is is that uh, her mana went down. Uh, down to 40 mana, which, uh, with a blue buff included, makes her pretty much a machine gun at this point. She casts extremely quickly, and... If you combine that with the fact that uh, she doesn't waste any damage orbs anymore, if she kills someone, the rest of the orbs go to another target. Um, you're just getting insane damage efficiency with it, too. I've had a lot of rounds uh, with the new Syndra where I've killed two champions on the other side with one ult, uh, which is which is really fun to watch. But, you know, maybe maybe a little bit too strong in certain cases. Uh, what, what do you think, Dan? I, I know you haven't had a lot of time. None of us have really had a lot of time to play this yet. But what are your initial impressions of Syndra here? Um, I think that Syndra is too powerful relative to what you have to do to commit to her. It seems like a two-star Syndra is good enough to kind of carry. It's kind of the same thing as what like Vayne was doing, um, which is like this is a three-star carry that gets you all the way to stage five at relatively healthy um, life total. And then you can kind of choose whatever you want to do. You don't even have to play Star Guardian. You don't even have to play Sorcerers. You, we, we've been seeing like Celestial Protector kind of be a front line with like two to four Sorks. Uh, obviously, Mech is still a thing. Um, I've seen people just play like the like the some sins approach, which just like have two of everything and two sorcerers splash and Syndra, and she's still killing everything because you have enough frontline and CC uh, with mystics and whatnot, which seems to be increasing more important. Um, and also, what seems to become like somewhat of a degenerate thing is that it's, it seems like putting another Syndra is better than completing another synergy. Uh, synergy. So like, there's in boards where I saw people playing three Syndras instead of six sorcerers. They play four sorcerers and two extra Syndras. They're yeah, just playing six sorcerers, which feels super counterintuitive and also kind of shows that uh, perhaps this um, champion is overtuned at the moment. Uh, I mean, obviously, people can look at different synergies right now. I think Dark Stars is also rise, skyrocketing in popularity uh, in terms of its power level. But in mm. terms of just the sheer individual power unit, it's not even necessarily sorcerers or star grants too strong. It might just be Syndra right well, I think if you include Nico uh, in the conversation as well, she just got some buffs, uh, her stun at three stars. Um, I think it might have already been 2.5 seconds, but she got a little bit tankier uh, as well. And so that's going to that makes her just a better frontliner than she was before. The uh, protector um, here one, like two protector buff of 30 percent now uh, for the starting shields makes uh, getting the protector spat really worth it more than it was before in traditional star guardian sorks. Um, so it, it just seems like it's even easier now to get back to that old SG Sork lineup that we all loved or loved to hate back in like 10.6, 10.7, 10 point, yeah, 10.7 is kind of where the, that peaked, I think. Um, and, and it seems like it's kind of, kind of back right now between, uh, between all that, even despite the fact that both Sorcerers and Star Guardians were, uh, numerically nerfed this patch. Yeah, it's just the units that go buff to her, mainly Syndra. As Florian said, there's so many comps right now around Syndra that I'm not even sure which is the best variation. It might not even be six Dargan, because the six Dargan trade itself not, is, is actually pretty underwhelming. You only mm -hmm. run six Dargan because all the units got buffed pretty much. 
so as Florence said, you can build like a tanky Conway go like Celestial Protector Mystic and two Sorg, and you just put Simra there, and she's going to kill the units over time, right? Because she just ramps up. So yeah, if there's like one unit or one problem right now, it might be might be Simra, but yeah. Dark Stars and Shaco also look really strong right now. So let's jump over to Protectors, actually, from the uh, the Cinder conversation. Uh, Jarvan got some big buffs, but just uh, Protector mm-hmm. Celestial in general seems to be kind of back. Um, I've been seeing it in a lot of lobbies. It seems very strong. Um, it seems like people are trying to go for the three stars again. Uh, have you guys been seeing uh, a lot of Protectors in the games that you've either watched or played? Uh, yeah, I think the most played unit is probably Jarvan right now. Everyone buys Jarvan early right now. A lot of people hyper-rolling for it. He's scary uh, you- now. Yeah, you see Shredder come back. There's this uh, this reroll con where you play Caitlyn, TF, Zoe. And then even two-star, Jarvan can, can carry your mid-game if you put items on him and you get Protector online. So yeah, I think they also probably jumped the needle a bit too much on, on J4 here. He he got some pretty massive buffs. And and like you mentioned, when you combine that with the Zaya buff going back up to 0.9 for her attack speed, suddenly uh, Shredder's back. I've seen a Shredder player in every single lobby and it doesn't seem terrible like it did uh, in the last patch or two. Um, and I don't know. So, so here's a question. A lot of people were uh, not thrilled with the one star carry meta that we had um, right before the 3.5 uh, changes came in. But uh, does this version of it, if, if Shredder is back, is this a more acceptable version of having one star units able to carry, do you think? Uh, I think it's fine. I think the problem when we had the, the one-star meta was, was actually different things. It, it was they, they buffed all one-cost units at three-star, most of them. Then we had two galaxies, Trade Sector and Treasure Trove, which we still have, that, that enabled hyper-rolling because you got more rolls or more gold. Yeah. And then also the, uh, the percentages were super high on level four, right, which also uh, made hyper-rolling really efficient. Uh, so yeah, since they nerfed them a bit and nerfed the percentages, I think it's fine to have some comms that are viable if you get the opener for it. For example, Shredder, if you get a lot of J-Force and, and uh, Zayas and have the items. So it, it should be a viable comm and a viable strategy to, to go for one one cost mm-hmm. three stars to win you the game. I think that's totally fine. But if you run into a meta where that's like the only play and you have like six people in the lobby doing it, and it gets even more efficient that way because they take out units from the pool, I think mm-hmm. then, then it becomes a problem for sure. Okay. Yeah, I think the important thing to focus on is that three stars should be like a mini objective that people feel excited about. Um, I know that there's a lot of people that believe that, you know, a, a really great way to play and balance the game competitively is like make two star boards and being flexible really important. But for a lot of players that just even approach the genre in general, three star stuff is a really exciting moment. And yeah. for uh, entire few patches, it was like too strong when like you know Zai was too good or like the Candyland builds that were really dominant for like half a patch. Um, th- th- those are like not rewarding and satisfying because the diminishing returns every time you hit that and you hit that comp uh, drops off significantly. You don't even feel satisfied anymore hyper rolling uh, by the time you're playing the comp like the tenth time. But the mm-hmm. uh, the option to do something like that is important. So you know the fact that like for a while it really didn't like. I've seen so many people who try to go for three stars in the previous couple patches uh, get completely punished, and you know I feel like that should be a viable strategy. So the fact that it exists is okay. Um, and you know Jarvan's like a really good unit too, just because he's doing a little bit of everything. He's like front line and also kind of helping your back line too right now. Uh, mm. it's really, really important for that protector or dark star or shredder synergy. So he's a very, very good tier one unit right now to pick up. I've always, I've always, uh, I like what you said about 
making three star units kind of a, a mini game almost where it's like you're not you're not necessarily going for it every game but it's something where if you have an opportunity so you pick up six of a unit you're like oh i'm gonna hold on to this and see if i can maybe you know maybe extra roll here and there to try to complete that three star and then once you do it's exciting has a big impact on the game um but it's not like the objective every single time because it it does become run of the mill like i was a big star guardian sorcerer player slash abuser depending on how you look at it back you know in the earlier days of set three and and it was if i didn't get three star nico three star syndra and at least one other three star whether it was ari or lux in those games i felt like it was a bad game you know and that that shouldn't really be how it is you know i shouldn't be expecting to get that many three stars in my game i feel like um but uh it's it feels like after 3.5 there's a little bit more of a balance around three stars in general um but I, I, I do wonder if it's going to become more of a priority now with Shredder coming back and then Syndra being so strong. Um, what, what do you think? I'll ask you this, Salvi. What do you think uh, a three-star champion's place is in TFT? Like, how often should you see it? What impact should it have in the game? Uh, what do you think? Um, impact obviously depends on the cost, right? Obviously, a, a three-star, four or five cost should probably win you the game because it's hard to get and it actually needs a lot of money and level you need to put in. Also needs to be uncontested for us to be able to hit it. So I think that's like that. That's that's something that should happen. Like I don't know, once every maybe like fifteen or twenty games. Like if basically okay. you scout, you see you, you roll a lot of these units. You're the only player going for it, and you're like, huh, maybe this wins me the game, and I can try to go for it. And then this occasional one or two star three costs are totally fine, right? You get a lot of these units early. You hold. Uh, you maybe see some value in, in taking it. And as I said, obviously there should be some comps that maybe rely on three starring the, the the unit. For example, you look at the the six BME comp. I think three cost carries to win you the game are totally fine, and they should be in the game. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I would say that um, a lot of times when we're kind of weighing decisions on like how TFT should be approached, I think it should always be evaluated through the lens of risk versus reward. Um, in times when like reroll was like too good, the risk wasn't really high because you would hit it so consistently. And therefore, yeah. going for these kinds of strategies was um, overwhelmingly, you know, similar every single game. And part of what makes, I think, games like TFT compelling, I'm sure Salvi can uh, back this up, is that you're introduced with unique situations every game. Versus, like, in the reroll, when the pool was a lot smaller before set 3.5, it felt like you could easily get these three stars over and over and over. And it was highlighted by the fact that even in the Void Brawler compositions, you could consistently three-star Cho'Gath and Pelkaz. Um, and, and, like, and, and you know, that was like something that was really oppressive for an entire patch or two. So I think that you know, when we're looking at like what reroll's role is or three stars in general, it's like you should be constantly introducing an opportunity to win, but that people have to make a calculated risk. And I think that's where the payoff is, both for people who compete and also people who try to beat it. Um, because then they have to consider you know, what, what, what are they going to do in response to that. Uh, and so, if you, you know, risk or reward and also counterplay options, I think, are the two big things. I think if you look at the role that galaxies have in uh, the set as well, um, where you, if you make re-rolling and hitting those three stars more difficult and more of a special thing, then that also kind of elevates the trade sector galaxy too, because then you say, oh, cool, this is a galaxy where I can maybe get like more three stars than usual. That's awesome, right? So... Uh, if we trend in that direction, that also kind of makes that galaxy in particular more fun. I think more, more uh, uh, exciting and, and successful in terms of what it's trying to do. I had a reroll game. I had a trade sector game, not to brag or anything like that, but I had a trade sector game last night <laughs> where I had a three-star Nico, three-star Cinder, and a three-star Victor 
and I had 90 HP by the end of the game. It, it felt amazing, and I will cherish that game forever. So thanks, Mort. Anyway, moving on to some synergies. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Celestial buff that came in. So this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the um, buffs to Zaya and also the buffs to Protectors as well, in that this Protector Mystic comp that's been uh, kind of going up and down uh, ver through various patches of set three now seems to be kind of on the rise again. Um, specifically, uh, uh, two questions, I guess, you guys can kind of like think about. Um, where will Protector Mystic fall into the meta now that it seems to be stronger? And where will Celestial in general as a trait fall in terms of splashing it into other comps or maybe unlocking new comps like... What are your thoughts on kind of those two things? And I'll, I'll just throw it out there. Whoever answers first can talk. All right. So talking about Celestial, I feel like after they removed Cassidy, it's really, really hard to get Celestial in unless you have a spell. Because it's yeah. only the two Protector units, and then it's Ash and Lulu. And Ash pretty much only gets played in Sniper comms. And I guess, I guess Lulu is easy to fit in because you want to run Mystic most games. But if you don't run Protectors, basically, it feels really, really hard to even get Celestial in because it's only four units, right? Yeah. And it's, it's usually not worth taking an Ash just to get Celestial online over something else because you don't have the space. So I, I would actually love maybe one more Celestial unit to, to get access. Like a Cassidy? <laughs> Where would you put it? Would you put it back at the Actually, I think the should have kept Cassidy. Cassidy was really fun because you had to position yeah. around it. Yeah, exactly. And he, he was being enabled both Celestial and Mana Reaver, because now Mana Reaver is pretty much only really a Thresh, and, and Celestial is hard to get. So in that mm -hmm. sense, there's, I feel like there's a gap after removing Cassidy. Yeah, so in set 3.5, I felt like Celestials have like fallen a lot in power levels simply because there just seemed to be a higher power level of everything. And when things burst a lot harder, like an Echo or like an Urgot or like these things that like instantly kill or basically does unstoppable amounts of damage, that the slow grind of healing back doesn't really matter nearly as much. Yeah. Um, couple that with the fact that the only comp that liked to use Celestial was like a Jin based sniper composition. So the burst would heal Jin. But infiltrators and all of the things like made their life miserable, so they really couldn't get anything off. Um, I wonder if it ends up becoming better because we see a, a little bit of a wheel turning right now. Because Syndra and comps are so powerful, Mystics are becoming really important. People are playing like heavier frontline. Mystic Vanguards are starting to see a little bit of a comeback, I think, just because they can out-sustain or anything that three-star stuff so they don't die from the Syndra overkill. Um, and then maybe that instant op opportunity for Celestial to come. Um, into play. So if I do think Celestial becomes relevant or like these mystics, it's largely because it's a response to the metagame as opposed to it's really powerful individually right now. I will say I think we're one small patch change away from Space Jam coming back too. I think I think all of the things are starting to fall in place. We're so close. I think Darius did he get? I think he got a little bit of a buff last in ten point thirteen. Remember right? Yeah, uh, he got buffed twice the last two patches ago. Yeah. yeah. So we're close. We're close to Space Jam coming back. The Celestial buff helps a lot, I think, with that. Um, so so we'll see. But uh, looking at some of the other patch notes, I'm just kind of going through all this. We're kind of, we're kind of jumping all over the place. Um, one thing I guess we can kind of talk about is the uh, Fizz nerf is an interesting one. Because towards the end of 10.13 especially, um, and really throughout most of 3.5, 
Fizz has felt like a unit that you just kind of put in everything. Like it doesn't really matter what the comp was. Fizz two is just always going to be good. Do you think this nerf um, puts Fizz in a in a more reasonable place? I mean, it's still playable. It's still a really good unit. But uh, I agree. If there's a unit that you put in or can put in in any comp, no synergies whatsoever, and it makes sense and it's better than than your alternatives, I, I feel like that's a problem. Because if you just put in a fish, no matter what comp, and you don't even care about synergies, it kind of makes the game stay, because then it feels like you, you skip one part of the game, which is synergies and, and unit composition. So in that sense, I think that the fish nerf is fine. He's still playable. Still a really, really good unit. You can take him in, into snipers if you need backline access. So I think that the nerf is totally reasonable. Well, it's interesting you bring up synergies as well, because I, I think one of the hallmarks of set three is that the importance of synergies has been kind of downplayed versus the importance of individual units and items on units. Uh, and so with some of these changes, do you feel like the focus of the game is going back towards synergies a little bit more than it has so far in set three? Oh, that's actually a good question. Um, I actually talked to Mort about it, and I, I told him I really like synergies that, that open up uh, the effect for the whole team. For example, like Mystic, Celestial, or yeah. I, I love Knights in set one. I really, really like those synergies because then they actually make sense to, to put in and, and buff your whole team. And actually, I felt like it makes for more interesting interesting comps. Because if you look for some sins from set two, I think that comp was so fun because you had so many two pieces that affected the whole the whole team that you could take in like desert cloud mystic and stuff or even yeah. ocean that, that's why the comp felt so fun to me at least because you had so many options so yeah and and I, I think more power to synergies is, is a good move yeah okay interesting what, what are your thoughts on that dan um i think that this set has hit a healthy balance of both i think that you know in set one synergy tags were too strong so they had to nerf it multiple times Jordan. Set, in set two, outside of a couple of really oppressive things like Shadow Patch or Ocean Mages for a while, mm -hmm. um, you know, there really wasn't like synergy that was like overwhelmingly dominant versus just having raw power of units. Um, and that's what created the, sum the Summoner Assassin uh, composition, which oftentimes didn't play Summoners or Assassins, but yet we called it that because it's like Azir carry. Uh, so it was really funny. Um, mm -hmm. And now it, it was a little bit too abstract. It was harder for players to grasp and like, I, I remember specifically, I studied that composition for like a month and I still felt like I didn't really get it. Um, and so I think that, you know, you need to have some direction for that. And that's why I think it's important for verticals to be powerful in TFT. But at the same time, you know, you really do want to make them individually stronger. Like look at the Irelia change. Well, it's more of a really, it's one of the more interesting ones because Cybernetics didn't really need a lot of help, right? Before yeah. this patch. Um, and yet when they tap Cybernetics, they make Irelia even stronger and make her feel like a carry, but they're buffing more for like the one-star variant of it. Uh, what does that necessarily mean? And I think that the good players, like I'm not sure if this change actually means too much. Like maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I haven't, I haven't had time to experiment with it. But the important thing is like, what does that give you as an option of a player? And the good players will be able to make use of that um, even temporarily versus some of the players who just ignore that and say, ah, you know what, this comp is nerfed. It's not as good as, as much anymore. And I think that's like really important to have that balance of both. It's interesting. Well, let's move on to uh, another topic, one that probably a lot of people have been waiting for us to talk about, and that is the the most famousest of all champions in set 3.5. It's got to be Urgot. Um, and Urgot got some changes, right? We've got those on the screen right now. He got a little bit tankier in terms of armor and magic resistance. His attack range went down. 
But perhaps most importantly, the time it takes for him to reel people in got longer at uh, stars one and two. And his targeting changes, I, I suppose the thing you can kind of equate it best with, um, and I, I think it's accurate to say that it's similar to uh, how Caitlin would target, where he just targets the farthest person, and then if he hits someone else who's in between, then that's the person he grabs. Um, but uh, the thing that's been divisive is that Urgot just one-shots people, right? Is that if he reels them in, he will kill them. Um, do you think this kind of solves some of the complaints in the community as far as how Urgot is operating? Because it's been said, you know, that Urgot one-shotting people, eating them, that's not going to go away. That's just what Urgot is meant to do. Um, but how he does it, do you feel like this is a bit more reasonable as a kind of play around, Frodan? Yeah, yeah, way more. Because the big thing about Urgot is that there wasn't counterplay. It, it was like kind of just hope that the fight RNG in terms of like how your ASOL tracks around the field or um, how units are targeting things. It just felt like it, it wasn't in your control, even if you could try to manipulate it through positioning. Mm. Um, and so because it felt too random and too chaotic, you might as well just leave it how it is and hope that Urgot doesn't target the right thing. At least like Guardian Angel is like somewhat meaningful counterplay now. To, to That's the big change, yeah. I forgot to mention that GA actually right. works now against Urgot, which is yeah. good. So I, I would say that like Urgot existing was totally fine. We've had one-shot kill type champions in the game in, in TFT, just... That you know, it felt so bad when it like chewed through your mech that had Guardian Angel. Not that you know people do that very often, but that's like the extreme example of like how it just got too much value. Yeah, um, and it just felt really bad. Even if the data shows that it wasn't really a good unit, it, you just don't want to leave people with so many sour experiences when they like built. They spend all this time amassing resources, stacking a carry, a frontliner, and they put Guardian Angel to really ensure the frontline is strong, and it just kind of gets invalidated by a a five gold unit that just, you know, completely shuts down uh, that front line. So it feels really bad when that happens. Do you feel a bit better about Urgot now, Salvi? Yeah, I played some games, I saw him, and he, he feels so much better. As Fran said, you can actually position around him now because the, the targeting makes sense now. Before, it, it was actually random. Like, I know he had a rule, but there was actually no way, at least I, I don't know anyone that was smart enough to figure out position because fights are a bit random, right? Units run around and then yeah, one unit dies one second earlier and now the next unit is in range. And there was just no way you could position around Urgot and there was no item counterplay. I know there was Trapclaw, but even Trapclaw usually gets popped before Urgot ult. So there was mm. not even not, no item. And I think that the, the targeting change and the GA change make it so there's at least counterplay. I think it's too weak now, but at least it allows them to buff him again, and that's totally fine. They can buff seconds. him again. Yeah, three yeah. seconds seems like a long time. For yeah, I played around a little bit last night, and I was like, it's taking a long time for him to actually eat people. And and um, I I I'm one of the people that actually loves Urgot's ability. I think it's hilarious to watch, and it's I I love in uh, a game where you have something where when you are doing it to your opponent, you're like, yeah, that's this is awesome. And when it's ha happening to you, you're like, no, this is terrible. You know, like invoking such different emotional responses, depending on which side of the board it's on, I think is great. So so I love Urgot. Uh, but that said, if you're going to have an ability like that in your game, I think it is very important to give your players ways to play around it and not feel like, feel like you know you feel bad for being hit by it but you don't want to feel that you're totally at the mercy of something that is out of your control which is how original ergot felt so i i agree with you guys where i think this is a, a great change i think ergot is much more palatable to play against 
he's still fun to play as. Although, again, maybe three seconds is a bit too long. Kind of lower that a little bit. Um, he's a bit tankier, so I suppose he's got that. But uh, but overall, I think he's in a much better place. And I'm glad that the alt didn't change because I think it's hilarious. And I love watching it. And uh, and it's great. So there you go. There's my treatise on Urgot. <laughs> So if you if you lower the time though let's let's fix let's let's patch Urgot ourselves here real quick though if you lower the time what would you lower it to Sally for uh, this one star uh, reel in I mean probably set it two seconds what it's at two uh, two star right now and for three star make it like zero point one just make him read the whole team right if you three star Urgot he, he should yeah. just <laughs> read the whole team. I totally agree yeah just yeah play, like, like nine teams and pull everything yeah. in yeah. 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 three star five because you, you should win the game right yeah, yeah. yeah. three I, star actually doesn't do anything right now it's probably not even worth the money so mm-hmm. so yeah I would definitely probably do like two one zero point one or something something like that to make it better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'll I, I, wait and see, but I'm pretty sure he's too weak right now after those changes. So I, I'm just curious because like getting a three star five cost unit is is super rare. I've done it once ever. I got a Lulu and it was amazing. I won the game and I, I agree. I think if you get a three if you get a three star five cost, you should just win the game. Whatever ability they have should just be game ending because it's so rare. Dan, have you ever gotten a, a three cost or a five cost? I've tried so many times. There's been a lot, lots of games where I get like so hard. or something, but it, it just wasn't. Um, I think the most fun three-star uh, five-cost unit is Thresh because you just get to do rant, like ridiculous things because you just basically pull your entire bench. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, like those kinds of things, they should be rare. It, it, there's, this, there's this thing in auto chess where it was like, a one in a million, like literally one in a million statistically chance to get like a ridiculous version of a unit called Chaos Knight. And it would just like, it, 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 there's just no chance to really predict it'll ever happen. But once in a while, it's like this one in a million chance that it appears in your shop. And it's worth like a six star unit. It's like ridiculously strong. It kills everything. Um, and the reason why that people liked that was because it was so rare that it felt like being part of that game was special, even if you wanted to losing it. Yeah, um, and I think like, that the three star legendaries can also contribute towards that. It should be like an entire spectacle that people don't expect, and almost to a certain extent, people like respect the winner for being able to get them. I've been on like the the receiving end of that too, where it's like a game where I've seen someone else get it, and every, the whole lobby is just talking about how awesome it is. Nobody's like upset about it, so it's it's cool to see it happen every once. Like Salvi, you've played a lot more games than Dan and I probably combined. Um, how how many times has this happened to you? How many times have you've gotten the three star legendary? I actually can't remember any in set one. I don't think I got one in set one. In set two, I think I had cinched twice. Okay. And then wow. set ones. And then this set, I had uh, a sort of three on PBE, actually, when I was oh, wow. in this set at the start, yeah. So not that often, but yeah. Since I'm playing competitive games, it's usually pretty hard to, to get that much gold, right? Yeah. You're not going to get a lot of opportunities in, in high-end competitive games, for sure. But... All right. Well, I think it's time to uh, move on to our final section of the show. Uh, we're going to check out uh, a tier list that uh, I'm told Salvi has prepared. And then we're also going to do uh, some some questions from the world outside of this podcast. So That's right. So uh, this is the first time Doe has been part of the show. So we'll, uh, I'll just go ahead here, and so. this again for people who don't know. Uh, so we really like to get first day patch impressions from some of the top players. So, Salvi, if you were to make a, you know, day zero, what you think are the strongest comps for people to at least, like, start thinking about, uh, we'd like to do a synergies tier list. 
Um, and it's completely open. You can choose to you structure it however you want. S tier can mm -hmm. be something completely different uh, than how Kurum and Soju and all of them did it. Uh, so we usually go alphabetically. So alphabetic, okay. All the way to Vanguard. All right, Vanguard. Uh, since there's so much magic damage right now, I think Vanguard is actually pretty bad. So probably C tier. Okay. Hmm. All right. Uh, Asol is probably still A tier. He got nerfed, but he was super broken before, so he's still really playable. Um, Stargun is... The trade itself is actually not that great. It's probably just B tier. Uh, it's just mainly Syndra, so if Syndra gets nerfed, we might not even see any Stargun in anymore. Yeah. Um, Space Pirates is probably in a really bad spot. It's probably E tier. Uh, D tier. Like the worst. E tier. We have to agree. Yeah, it might even be E tier because uh, you only run two Space Pirates oh, early game if you've got nothing else, pretty much. So it might but actually it be. It doesn't give you a lot of gold early. So when yeah, you, you put it all the way down in D? The, yeah. the gold normalization in a lot of the patch changes makes Space Pirate like a lot worse. Part of the reason why Space Pirate was so good was because of the gold range that happened in the past. But now like it feels like you get gold consistently, so Space Pirate's not as because for Space Pirates, it's actually unplayable because GP is way too bad right now. And you only run two Space Pirates, probably stage two, if you got nothing else and you have to open up for it. So Eat. it's actually really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, okay. Continue. Right. Sorry about the interrupting. <laughs> Continue. Uh, Sorks in general is pretty flexible. It's probably eight tier. You can two, four, and six Sorks. Everything is fine mid game, late game. So it's probably one of the best trades. Uh, Sniper is really, really good now after Jin. It might even be S tier, I'm not sure, but since Jin is so strong right now, it might be S tier. Uh, Rabbits is still fine. Jinx is actually playable, especially since it's less contested. It's probably still A tier. Also, one of the strongest openers still in Malfair 262 and Rabbits. Mm. Yes. Mm. Definitely. I think Protector might actually be S tier just because of J4, because uh, that unit mm. is so strong throughout the whole game. The protectors are really strong. You can run them with infield snipers, even sorks. So, uh, so I think they're in a really good spot. Uh, wait, what is the next one? I can't even read it. I think Jenna's only playable in one comp, pretty much. And you can take it into counter vanguards. But since there's no vanguards, it's probably just the trade itself. It's probably just C tier, if not even worse. It's actually pretty bad. Uh, Mystic right now is really strong too. Mystic is strong. Uh, probably S tier because there's so many socks. Uh, yeah, probably S tier. Like most comes, you actually just run. Also, Karma is really strong, so you get easy access. You just run Karma and Soraka Lulu. Seems right. Uh, Mercenary is GP only. As I said, GP is almost unplayable. He might even be. He might actually be D tier as well. Because I've actually seen GA, wow. GP2. That had what? Had one more defensive item, QSS. It didn't even cast. I don't know. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. It That's just got Mary Reaver and died. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Every time I see a GP, I feel like he added a hero because I remember the good old GP days where you just hit a GP, you kill the whole board, right? But yeah. I don't know. GP fits really bad right now. Even on. Bad. um. Dwarf Planet, where like everything's so condensed, you think that's. Well, I only played that once. That, that one might even be the worst galaxy because that one is so unbalanced for the units because the units are designed for a bigger board. If it's really bad, half of the units are just super broken and half of them are unplayable. Like, you I can't really. On that map last night, actually. I think Dan was uh, watching the game that really? I was playing. He did, he did okay. I don't know. I only played one game and it actually felt horrible. It felt really bad. I probably prefer Galactic Armory over that one. 
to be honest. And that one is <laughs> we should do a galaxy oh, too. Oh yeah, that one would be fun. That one would be fun as well. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll do it next show. Next show. Next Sorry. time. Uh, all right, another conversation. How about Mech Pilot? Uh, Mech Pilot is probably ST. If you're in Mech Stage three, uh, it's probably. I make it eight here. Maybe it's even worse because mm-hmm. the problem is Jin is running around, right? And Jin actually kills a Mech instantly if you don't run Dodge Mech. So you need like QSS and Trapclaw. So you need a lot of Dodge because even if you have Bramble Vest, it just dies to, to Jin. So since Jin is so much around, it might even be worse. It's probably meta card. And if you see like three Jin players per lobby, you probably don't want to be playing Mech because that matchup is so bad. Mm, Mana River is the trade itself is really strong, but obviously hard to get since it's only Irelia and Thresh. Probably just beat here. Uh, infiltrators are really good right now because they you have really good early game access. Nocturne Z is one of the best openers in the game. It's probably eight here. Mm, yeah, demos. I don't know. Demos mainly for early game now since you don't run GP, but Rumble Six open is one of the best as well. Hmm. Uh, probably seed here since GP doesn't exist. And then I saw a lot of Darkstars today. Darkstar seems really strong. You can run 4 to a 6. Pretty flexible even which units you run, which carries you run. Depending, You can carry Jin, Zerath, or Shaco depending what items you drop. So it's probably S tier. And then Cyber's probably falling off. I've seen some people try to make Irelia work. I don't really see Cyber opener anymore, even because the damage and the HP got nerfed. It's probably only B tier now. Really? Okay. Wow. I thought yeah. you'd at least. I don't know. It might might be different in a few days, but I have not seen any cyber player dominate my lobby so far. I played like ten games. Never seen any good cyber openers at the moment. So. All right. Just gonna do it safe on B. Could be up. Could be down. I don't know. Uh, Chrono. Uh, Chrono is actually an interesting one because you never run four six Chrono, but two Chrono is so good, especially early game. Yeah, like two Chrono would probably ST and like four and six Chrono is probably C tier. So I don't know, probably put it A in between. What's the difference, but, I guess? Yeah, but you usually only run two because it's only the first two procs or the first proc that matters since fights are really fast right now. Uh, so that's Celestial, yeah, that's Celestial, right? Mm. It's probably beat here. As I said, really hard to tag in. In the comps, you can run it. It's good, though, for, like, your gin carry and stuff. Uh, Brawlers are still fine. They definitely fell off. The Brawler side is still fine. Probably also beat here. Mm. Which one is that? I'm actually blind. Blaster. Blaster? Oh, Blaster. Uh, Blaster is actually almost one of the worst trades. You only run two blaster and it's only for jinx and even then it it's only there to get resets not even for the damage yeah so it's actually probably c team yeah it's probably c tier kogma's not that great so yeah, yeah. um are probably the same uh it's probably also c tier might be up there because if we see shredder come back it's better but the trade itself is it's not great. It's not like you're taking three Blade Master mid game and you feel fine about it. It's only for like one come maybe. Okay. Uh battle cast probably beat here. I've not seen much six battle cast, but it's really good early mid game where you run Nocturnal Cogma and Ilawi. So it's probably safe in B tier. Also Astro is probably also B tier. Uh needs a lot of setup, but if you get like perfect Timo items and you hit Timo two and stuff, it can actually be decent, so Probably beat here. 
Cool. Finna, Finna listen so, to this. Uh, with this. Now that you finished, is there any like like movements like okay, now that I see this, does anything look wrong based off what you did in the first half? Hmm. Nah, trailers, this looks actually fine. I think this this so it's actually okay. Because like Stargate is a good comp, but if if I just look at the trade, the trade is not good, right? It's, as we talked about, just get six Stargate for free and you might not even run it if you run Syndra, so mm-hmm. yeah. I can see that. So, from the looks yeah. of it, it's mainly Sniper, Darkstar, and Star Garden, and some Jinx. And I think those those traits represent that pretty well. That's like a big statement to put Darkstar all the way up at S uh, early on. I mean, it it it, it yeah, did. Really cool it car, but but yeah, I've seen a lot Darkstar, so I, I'm pretty sure it's making a comeback this patch. I'm just gonna call it. Yeah. All right. Cool. I, I, think I so like too. it because of its flexibility. It's so yeah. like you don't have to have Zareth and. Jin be the carry. Shaco carry sometimes is good enough to guarantee like a top four. Um, well, so. the 3.5 changes too, where like everyone that dies contributes to it, makes it a lot better. Um, so yeah, now with the actual buffs to the numbers, I think it should be strong too. S tier, that's that's shocking. But uh, that's cool. All right. Thanks for building that tier list for us, Salvi. Uh, a short preview. <laughs> That's right. Uh, two things. One, I like that he approaches from a synergy. So he doesn't let like the champion itself kind of drive the discussion. So like Sorcerers, for example, and Sargarn, but Syndra being really good. He's like trying to isolate them and explain what he thinks about when he talks about putting in a synergy on the board. Uh, the second thing is that there's another, uh, there's another tier list we want him to do, which is always fun. Uh, one of the more controversial, but very fun. All right. Like it to do is ask who are your te- 10 players in your local region? So Salvi, you know, we, you're the first player to come on the show. That represents EU. Uh, and so we ask you, what is your tier list of top 10 players in EU? And it could be in any order, and it could be exactly how you want to describe it. You can explain it any way you want. Uh, He's looking away. He's trying to ignore you. Yeah. No, no, no. I actually put up letter because I need to look at player names, right? So <laughs> I actually have letter open. So because Dennis actually learned, and I think like the top five maybe is easy to do, but then it gets really hard. Because then you have to look at, like, how did they do set one and set two? Because I like to look at all sets and see how mm-hmm. they did. I don't like looking at ladder right now, taking 10 top 10, and those are the best. Because so. sure. I'm pretty sure, like, the best European player is, is Dark Hydra, because he, he was on top of the ladder for set one, set two, set three, pretty much all the time. Two accounts, top 10, okay. rank one for the longest okay. time, dominated set one. So I, I think that's probably the safest card, put him up there. Uh, and oh, then sure. rank two. No bias there, I'm sure. No, 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 actually not. I think you could probably ask most people and they would agree. But yeah. Okay. It's my boy Hydra for sure. Great. And then right. Sengbez is probably basic. Uh, he started later, like me as well. Uh, I think he's also started midway, set one. Uh, he actually ended top 10 as well. And then he completely dominated set two. Probably no one can argue that anyone was better set two. Uh, he held rank one for I don't know, yes, probably eighty percent of the of the set and the rank one. So, and then the set he, I don't want to say he fell off. He's obviously still the same player, but not as dominant as he was in in, in set two. So yeah, th- those are probably clear top twos. And after that, it actually gets gets pretty tricky. And I, I actually don't want to call anyone off, but <laughs> okay. uh, it might it might actually be Voltarius. Uh, he has two accounts top 10 right now as well, or was. He was pretty good set two. I think he just stopped end of set two. I don't know. I can't remember him from set one. I guess I can look it up. Uh, it's Voltarius. Wait, I can type it in. 
for Volteri uh, X. X, X yeah. yeah, it's an X at the end, yeah. like this. I can tap it in Discord. Uh, no. no uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll just show you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember him from set one, but as I said, I don't even play it much, so not even sure. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he was really good set two. He's insane to set. Mm. Yes. Well, so you can, cool. by the way, put yourself on this list, Sally, anytime. Nah, I'm, I'm gonna skip it. I don't like doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can invite someone else from you, and he can put me on that list. That's that's probably. Oh wow, wow! <laughs> You're beyond lists at this point. <laughs> um, who else? As I said, now now it gets really tricky. Like I could name six players, but like putting them in order is probably hard. So the order now is probably messed wow. up. Chat, um, chat, uh, some of the players in chat saying they don't want to le let you get off the hook. You have to put yourself on this list somewhere. Hey, well, I mean, put me number one then. Chat the rules, you know? Number one. All right. All right. <laughs> that, that's what. If I, I have to be on sure. Yeah. I mean, easy. There you go. <laughs> Where else would you jump? Yeah. Um, so I think I actually really like you guys as a player. Uh, Sometimes he, he trolls a bit, uh, but I think he's really, really great. Was great set two. He's always up there, unless he do queues with CDD and he just gives LP and night night queues. Sure. Um, probably same as Ming. Uh, there's always this Ming versus Higa statement. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess I put Higa over Ming now, so Ming is going to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little rivalry there. That's that's okay. I would actually put tabs on there as well. Yeah, he was insane oh, set yeah. one. I don't, yeah, like Tap set one was insane. I remember he always had two accounts top five and stuff. And I, I think he just got a bit, he, he just took a step back, set two, set three. He's still obviously insane, always top mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and stuff. So that's seven. Hmm. Three more, three more to go. So it seems like he put a heavy emphasis on all three sets, or at least like the beginning. Yeah, I don't know. As, as I said, I think TFT is a game where like, we have to adapt every patch, and I really look at players that do well almost every patch. I don't like looking at a patch and saying, thinking they're the best player now just because they like have moment rank one. I don't know. That's not what I think yeah. is, is best. Sure. Oh, I, names. I definitely did Raiko on there. I almost missed Raiko. Yeah, Raiko is also insane. I, I can't remember him from set one, but set two at the end, he was really good. He's super consistent this set. It's YKO. No, no, and R up front. Uh, Raiko, R Y K. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure how to pronounce the name, but uh, Luke, Luca, L U Q U E. Yeah, he, he, he might top ladder bit. Yeah, he's really. He's going really hard this half of the set. He was good set to us right at the end, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he actually ended rank six. Hmm. Okay. He should probably be up there, and he was top fifty first set. Oh, that's like a hard uh, He's put yeah. yeah. Put him on. And then last one. Last one is actually tough. I think Fluffy is also always around. I, I don't know. I can't remember people oh. from Steph. That really makes it hard, but it's probably Fluffy because he was really strong set to us. Well, he's insane this set. I can't believe you did Sunday dirty like that. Yeah, a lot of other players you could include. I mean, as I said, like I think the top three, me, Hydra, and Daisy, that's like easy for me at least. 
But after that, it gets gets really hard. I, I would actually be probably better at doing an NA, NA tier list than you. But I think do you want to do an NA tier list right now? I, I'm okay with a little pivot here and see Salvi's okay. NA tier I'm, list. I'm not opposed. Okay, all right, all right. For the first time, we get to see some cross-region ranking. <laughs> sure, right, wipe, I it. Do it, wipe it, Jules. Top 10 players, NA. <laughs> Same, NA players in chat. So the top 10, please. Oh, wait, I have to do <laughs> so on my EU tier list for sure. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, he's in chat. Oh, no. Ignore chat. Uh, Ignore yeah, 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 yeah. yourself. So, so rank one is actually for sure Milk. Uh, I always looked up to Milk, especially set one, set two. I think he also lost a bit of his mojo once he realized competitive is not, his, not like what, what he wanted it to be. But I think it's the delicious milk. Milk, GG. delicious milk. Mm. But he said he's kind of washed right now. <laughs> nah, he's still, <laughs> he's still ranked one. Still without saying it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's just wasting too much time on Tarkov, probably. Mm, he's probably. on Tarkov, from what I've known. Does not help with TFT skills. Nah. And then second one, I don't know. It's probably socks. It's probably actually socks. Got rank one, two, set two and three. Uh, I can't remember set one. Let's check. I like this idea from chat. Like, where would you put yourself on the NA rank? <laughs> You're an NA player. Uh, put me behind milk. Put me behind milk if I'm on my own. Wow. Okay, number two. I would say milk is the best player in the world. All right, all right. Yeah. Put me behind milk then. Sure. Uh, I think Sox said he was like learning a lot set one. He wasn't really playing a lot of it, and then said to he like really grinded and got one. It was early days, right? It was early days. And then it's probably Grandvice actually, because Grandvice also rank one, uh, rank one and two, always up there grinding. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. And and I don't know. Then it's Soldier and Kurum probably on four and five. Uh, I don't know. Probably. Okay. Sure. They're always up there. Uh, so now it gets harder as well. Mm, probably Aegon is also really good. And then I like Kion as well. And then this is almost full, right? Two, four, six. Uh, you need two more. Mm. Ha, two more. Probably Keen. Keen is always... Keen, oh, okay. All right. And then we got one. Uh, what, about, what about Pult? Good old Pult. Oh, huh. yeah. Since I look at four sets, I don't know where to where to put Paul. Yeah, he, I look at set three, he, he was definitely up there. But since I look at all sets, yeah, fair enough. It's probably Solus. Solus is too for fun, but I think Solus is actually a great player. <laughs> <laughs> if Solus is right, I don't know. I'm crashing because he's in chat. Wow. <laughs> is he actually? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Solus tried for like wow. the first two weeks of TFT. Got ring one, and then now he's just four fun streamer, blasting YouTube videos. But I think if Solus actually tried, he would actually be really good. You're just you're not criticizing him. You're just you're just uh, disappointed that he's not living up to the yeah, potential. Exactly. I don't know. Solis should look like at collection lobbying. Yeah, <laughs> you should look at this list and and grind hard now. Yeah, it's very <laughs> Just yeah, somebody you, it took a long time for you to think. There's some gaps here, right? You're like some clear names, and they're yeah. like, I'm not sure. Then gaps. yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> well, that was really fun, Sally. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and then hand it right. to Joe if you want to do the mailbag. Segment. Sure. Well, that's uh, again, this is my my first time. So uh, we've got a mailbag uh, as well, which is apparently where we take questions from 
from the rabble and uh, see what uh, what they have to say. So here's one from Ginger, all-time five best players. So this is our third tier list, I guess, now, where we're just <laughs> oh. taking uh, the top five from, from anywhere. Huh. I don't know about Korea and China, so no clue about those. I'm just going to do NAU. Uh, I guess it's me, Hydra, Dasik, and then I guess it's Socks and Milk, just top mm. half of both lists. Okay. Than I could also right? pick five U, I guess, but since NA players, since there's two good NA players, I'm just going to put them on. <laughs> okay. Wow. Thanks. Two good NA players. Good. <laughs> All right. What, what's, are there any more? Do we have any? We, we've got to have another one, right? <laughs> the only question? <laughs> That was the only question. Oh, wait. That's the only one. All right. Well, thanks, Ginger. You you submitted the only good question. And shame on the rest of you out there in internet land. All right. Questions? Yeah, maybe there's some questions in chat. (laughs) But it's just going to be troll questions. Chat questions. Oh, that's that's dangerous. We have 30 seconds for chat questions. All right. You're on the the counter chat. You're on the timer. What What do you got? Right. That's right. 30 questions. Uh, was there anybody that you wanted to honorable right. mention that you couldn't put in the top 10 for, for either list? Like uh, maybe a player that's like in, in a set or two might make that top 10, but right now they don't have enough history. Uh, probably Diddy. The guy is grinding and just FFing games after cracks. If that guy would try Hollywood, he would definitely be on top 10 EO, but he, he's just, he just loves the games. If he doesn't like the game, he just FFs and goes next. All right. Yeah. Probably just yeah, especially Yeah. Yeah. Question from uh, Nympha, chat. Nympha Yugo asks, what's the worst and best galaxy? Uh, so best galaxy now is probably trade sector because it just reduces variance, gives you double the decisions at each turn. And after playing one game, the worst one might actually be the, the smaller board one. If it's not that one, it's probably Galactic Armory. All right. Esports Law uh, asks, do you think this is a really interesting question? And he's a friend of mine, so there's some nepotism involved in me picking this. But I think it's a good question, too. He says, uh, do you think there's a difference between uh, the best players and the best tournament players? Oh, for sure. Like, there's, there's different t- uh, skill sets you need for tournament, right? Like, stronger mental. You, you need to prepare, maybe prepare for opponents and compared to uh, let up play. So, yeah. There's probably players that, that do, do better in tournament, like we talked about earlier. That they're just more fit for tournaments. So, yeah. I would definitely say there's a there's a difference, yeah. What makes a good tournament player? You're more of a. Do you think you're better at tournaments or ladder, or or you're balanced at both? I mean, probably ladder. I don't have the best tournament record, to be honest. So yeah, I would probably say I'm a better ladder player than tournament player. Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Cool. Um, Sunstranat asks, "What do you think about the Korean playstyle?" I uh, added commentary about how uh, Bebe or BB, I don't know how you pronounce the name, um, used to climb to number one in NA. Well, it's definitely interesting. It's just so aggressive. It, it reminds me a bit of the, the old set one days where damage numbers were so high that you were forced to run on level six for a lot of games. Uh, so, yeah, it definitely works. Like, you got rank one and A. It can be a bad playstyle in that sense, right? So, mm-hmm. it's actually going to be exciting to see to see worlds where, like, all the play, uh, playstyles crash to see what's really, really the best. So, yeah, uh, I think it's really interesting. And I, I watched some of it as well to, to try to adapt. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's all we'll take from Twitch chat. That's that's enough of that. Um, there was a lot of questions about K-pop in there. Do you watch much K-pop? <laughs> uh, actually, I actually got like two songs from Milk, so I guess yeah, there were like two okay, good songs. All right, all right. Okay, it was a funny song what else? To... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. 
All right. I think so. So correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but this seems like the time to end the show. Is, is that right? Yes, we are over right. time, but Sal, we're going to do that. Yeah, especially for this last uh, few segments. He was a yeah, was fun. true, true. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll, we'll end it there. Uh, team fight talk show. Thanks. To, uh, well, well, we'll let Salvi kind of uh, say, say his, his goodbyes at the end of this. Any, any shout outs you want to make any final thoughts before we close this up? Uh, sorry if I pissed anyone off on the, on the, <laughs> I don't think you was very tame. I don't think you need to worry about that. It was very uh, also also Sojo's still in here. Maybe special shout out to Sojo. Uh, you can add me on my friend list when you're one KLP. So yeah. Oh <laughs> I don't know if he's right. he triple eighth today. <laughs> he got eight eight. Yeah, you got eight eight eight. That's a rough start. Ripperino, man. That is, <laughs> that is rough. Uh, well, I wonder if he's even here to defend himself because I think he's on the Twitch rival stream picking his team. I don't see him anymore. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Dan, any any closing thoughts? Oh, definitely tune in for the Cloud Nine tournament tonight. It's going to be really fun. I'll be casting with Doa, and yep. we'll get to see Sox um, and a few other. I think Ine is playing today tonight's lobby, um, and a few other people. And I mean, it could be the beginning of the world champion being crowned because could be. you know, NA. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, NA in in Riot Games, NA has also had always had a great record at World Championships. So yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's really good. All right. Well, that was a team fight talk show, guys. <laughs> had to get that one in there. It's my first day. Thanks for watching, uh, everyone. Big shout out to Jukes.gg for sponsoring the uh, the show and uh, many things here on Giant Slayer. Go check that out to find a lot of different esports. They're a great site and a great uh, proponent of esports right now. But that'll do it. Uh, thanks for watching uh, Giant Slayers Team Fight Talk Show Episode 9 with myself, Doa, Fronan, and Salvi. Fronan and I will see you next time with uh, another awesome player to discuss more awesome things. So we'll see you then.